Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcasts. Or it is simpler to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, Radio Havana Cuba, and George Galloway's Mother of All Talk Shows. We will begin with France 24. First, press reviews on the inauguration of the new Prime Minister of Italy, Giorgia Maloney, the first female leader of the country. The Lancet, a British medical journal, focused on the health effects of climate change and the use of fossil fuels. Then several press reviews that cover the Lancet report as well as the publication of the climate book by Greta Thunberg and other leading climate activists. France 24. Moving on to Italy, the Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney addressed Parliament for the first time yesterday, and that is unsurprisingly dominating the Italian press. Yeah, and in that inaugural speech as Italy's first female Prime Minister, the far-right leader Giorgia Maloney sought to mainly reassure the international partners in her speech yesterday that despite the party's neo-fascist roots, they are committed to uh, European solidarity, they're committed to uh, alliances uh, like NATO and to the EU in general. Now, for La Stampa, that's a centrist paper from Turin. Her speech was very much one of political continuity, even if her uh, government has divided the country. That's what uh, La Stampa says, uh, this one here, rather. This is the centrist paper from Turin. Now, let me show you Il Manifesto. That's the Italian communist paper, very scathing in its coverage today. The paper says that um, Maloney proudly evoked her political history, her political biography, but her speech was enhanced by the embarrassment of those who make up her government, uh, men little or much older than her in the role of supporting actors. Uh, Meloni's speech, the paper says scathingly, was right-wing, not just in taboos, but also in slogans. And you see the headline here, poor country, it says. So a very scathing headline from the Communist Party, but uh, from the Communist paper, but not a surprise given its political alignment. Finally, you have La Verita, which is a conservative Italian paper, which hails Meloni's, quote, clear, concrete and identity-affirming speech, one that also dis distanced itself from the party's neo-fascist roots, the paper says. Lancet's latest report is a call to arms against climate change. The authors hope the evidence it presents shows the need for urgent action less than two weeks before nations meet at UN climate talks in Egypt. 
While the world is trying to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic and responding to multiple coinciding disasters, recovery is hindered by the negative climate change impacts on health and its determinants, emphasizing the urgent need for action. The study includes the work of nearly 100 researchers across the globe. They highlight 43 indicators where climate change is impacting our health. Temperature records have been broken around the world in 2022. In the UK, temperatures passed 40 degrees Celsius for the first time ever in July, while other parts of Europe, Pakistan and China also experienced record heat. In praising the report, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres put it even more bluntly than the doctors. The climate crisis is killing us. It is undermining not just the health of our planet, but the health of people everywhere through toxic air pollution, diminishing food security, higher risks of infectious disease outbreaks, record extreme heat, drought, floods and more. Heated debates are expected at the COP27 talks in Egypt next month. Developing countries will expect nations that grew rich using fossil fuels to compensate for the damage climate change is causing. But wealthier nations are distracted by a war in Ukraine, a cost-of-living crisis and soaring inflation. It's time now for our press review, and it has been an exceptionally hot summer, followed by an unusually hot fall here in France. Global warming is actually making a lot of the headlines today, and our press reviewer, Diptika Laurent, is here to take us through them. That's right, Alison. France is expected to experience temperatures of about 30 degrees in some parts this Thursday, just a few days before heading into winter daylight saving time. But it's not just France. Uh, the, there is a lot of focus on global warming uh, internationally today. This is from the uh, USA Today, which is headlining on a new annual report by the Lancet Medical Journal that was released this week, which has a particular focus on uh, the impact of, uh, of climate change on health in particular. Uh, here in this report, they talk about heart disease caused by uh, particulate matter pollution, micropollutants that are increasing asthma in young children. Uh, the newspaper points to communities of color in its front page as being the most vulnerable as well as the elderly, the young and pregnant women. USA Today says fossil fuel pollution is a major killer of Americans right now when it comes to climate change-related deaths. And meanwhile, Deepdi, another report has also been released on the climate this week. This one is by Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg in collaboration with key environmentalist personalities. Well, she's on the front page of this Portuguese paper today, Publico. You see her here. Uh, she's given an interview to the newspaper in which she talks about uh, this new book that's called The Climate Book. It's really an anthology of essays written by her, but also 100 other climate personalities like climatologist Michael Mann or writer uh, Margaret Atwood. She's also in, in today's edition of Liberation, the French paper, uh, where they look at this book. Uh, this They call this 440 six-page book, uh, quote, remarkable and educational. It discusses themes. It's a very comprehensive look at the impact of climate change, discussing themes like rising sea levels, microplastics, the extinction of insects, pollution, fossil fuels, and so forth. Everything, really, that is threatening a sixth extinction of planet Earth. That press review and report were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website france24.com as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. 
In a week, the 27th United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP27, will open in Egypt. A new United Nations report points out that the world's current climate pledges will not limit the global temperatures as were agreed at the 2015 Paris Climate Conference. The International Energy Agency, the IEA, says that global emissions should peak by 2025 with strong development of renewable energy sources spurned on by the rising price of fossil fuel. A German analyst discusses how big a change needs to occur by 2030 and that more nuclear power plants will not be part of the solution. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. More climate alarms from the United Nations. A new report shows the three main greenhouse gases hit record highs in the atmosphere last year. The latest warnings come a week before delegates from around the world are due to meet for crucial climate change talks in Egypt. Climate activists spray painting the windows of a luxury car brand. It's guerrilla campaigns like this one in London that caused much criticism lately. But the activists say it's their only chance to break through with the message that the world isn't doing enough in the response to the climate crisis. Now a new UN report delivers the same message. The world's current climate pledges are far off track to limit temperature, as the three main greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide, hit record high levels in the atmosphere last year. What is particularly frightening this year is that if we look at the growth rates of uh, carbon dioxide, then it's pretty comparable to the average growth rate within 10 years. But if we look at the growth of methane, that's the highest ever we have in the history of our observations. The planet is already battered by weather extremes, but experts say the worst is yet to come. At the moment, Earth is on track to warm around 2.5 degrees Celsius, compared to pre-industrial levels by the century's end. Around 1.5 degrees was the goal set in the Paris Climate Agreement. Yes, climate protection efforts are being made, but way too slowly. The world's governments are still not seeing climate change as a crisis, but it is a crisis and it threatens our existence. Another UN climate conference will start in Egypt next week, and scientists and activists alike urge leaders to do more, much more, to tackle the climate crisis. The war in Ukraine is speeding up a global departure from fossil fuel use and the adoption of more renewables. Well, that's according to a new report by the International Energy Agency. The Paris-based organization says global emissions are set to peak by 2025, giving way to cleaner sources, including renewables. Rising prices for oil, gas and coal are behind the trend. The IEA said the war was leading to, quote, profound and long-lasting changes in energy markets. Claudia Kempford is an energy economist with the German Institute for Economic Research in Berlin. She joins me for more. Uh, Claudia, this report suggests a turning point, but it's not all good news. To limit climate change to one and a half degrees by the end of the century, there would have to be a doubling of investment in renewables by 2030 to $4 trillion. Is that feasible based on what we know now? 
I think it will be feasible if the financial markets are ready for it. And we need here the right frameworks that the money is spent for, for the right direction into the renewables and the transition instead of fossil fuel infrastructure. Unfortunately, we see also bad things going on on the global market because a lot of investment is now spent also in fossil fuel infrastructure or drillings uh, to fossil fuels, which is not in line what we need. And hopefully this will change. You touch on this governments doing enough, that question. Uh, we also look at the build out of renewables itself, not just investment in fossil fuels. If I look at wind, for example, here in Germany, there are great aspirations for building out wind. At the same time, that build out actually drags along. We don't see the same kinds of approvals, for example. What is the government going to have to do to, to push through a lot of these projects? Yeah, on the one hand, indeed, we need the right frameworks for it and the money that is spent in order to increase the share of renewables. In Germany, for example, we need enough uh, land, which is also provided to install the windmills and also provide the right uh, framework for it and to reduce the barriers which are still existing. And I think that's true also for the rest of the world of other European countries to provide the right frameworks that the investment into renewables is coming. Instead of fossil investments, we need a lot of uh, renewable investment. The IEA has also said in the past that more countries should consider nuclear as a clean energy option. Should that also not be an option for Germany? Now, I think nuclear, especially new nuclear power plants, are so costly that it's not really an option. Look at the new installations. They need a decade to be installed. They need a lot of investments, and we don't have the time for it. We need to be ready by 2030, and renewables are fast. They are cheap, and we can install them all over the globe, and that's the answer to it. Uh, nuclear certainly is not. We see that in France, how the problems uh, occur if, if the uh, power plants are not maintained adequately, and the costs are too high. So renewable is the answer, not nuclear. This idea that we could see a peak in emissions by 2025, could this take some of the pressure off governments when it comes to the kind of activism we've seen, when it comes to the kind of pressure uh, to speed up the process? Or, or, does this, or is that urgency still there from what you see? Well, I see an urgency coming also because of the war, the fossil energy war we are in and the investments are coming into renewables and there is a speed up process here, which is good. On the other hand, we also see investments into the bad things that is fossil fuel. So I think the IA is right by the peak that they assume. But what we really need now is to have investments ready for renewables and the governments which provide the right frameworks for it. All right, Claudia Kempford with the German Institute for Economic Research in Berlin. Thank you. That report and analysis was from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, dw.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. The Colombian Senate has approved parts of a bill by President Gustavo Petro that intends to create a total peace policy in the country. Amnesty International has called on the International Criminal Court, the ICC, to investigate possible war crimes during the Israeli attacks on the Gaza Strip in August. The state of New Jersey is suing five oil and gas companies and a lobbying group for lying about the harm caused by fossil fuels. Then a viewpoint on this Sunday's presidential election in Brazil. 
Radio Havana, Cuba. Colombian Senate has approved the bill presented by President Gustavo Petro that seeks to lay the foundations for the total peace policy. Senator Ivan Cepeda, who is one of the bill's speakers, said, quote, The total peace bill has been approved in the Senate without any limitations. This means that the Petro administration will be able to carry out all kinds of political and legal negotiation processes with all the armed groups and criminal structures that operate throughout the country. For this reason, Cepeda considers the approval of the total peace plan, quote, as a fundamental step to put an end to all forms of violence. Nevertheless, the Senators did not approve the Social Service for Peace, an alternative to compulsory military service. This proposal will be debated again in the lower house. The articles that proposed a pardon for young people detained during the 2021 protests were also left out of the approved bill. On Tuesday, however, the government bench will present a new bill that seeks that purpose. Since its arrival to the presidency on August the 7th, Petro has insisted on promoting total peace, an ambitious bet whereby he seeks to sit down to negotiate with all irregular groups. Currently, however, the legislation only allows him to resume talks with the National Liberation Army, the ELN, since the negotiation protocols had already been signed since the time of President Juan Manuel Santos. Amnesty International has called on the International Criminal Court, the ICC, to investigate possible war crimes following the, quote, unlawful attacks committed during Israel's deadly assault on the Gaza Strip in August. In a new report that investigates the circumstances around three specific attacks on civilians, Amnesty International said Israeli forces boasted of the precision of their attacks on Gaza in August. Amnesty said that the victims of Israel's so-called precise attacks included a four-year-old child, a teenager visiting his mother's grave and a fine arts student killed by Israeli tank fire while at home drinking tea with her mother. Agnes Kayamad, Amnesty International Secretary General, said in a statement accompanying the report, quote, Israel's latest offensive on Gaza lasted only three days, but that was ample time to unleash fresh trauma and destruction on the besieged population. The U.S. state of New Jersey is suing five oil and gas companies and a lobbying group for lying about the harm caused by fossil fuels and its link to catastrophic climate change. A lawsuit filed in court names ExxonMobil, Shell, Chevron, BP, ConocoPhillips and the American Petroleum Institute. The second round of the general elections in Brazil on the 30th is the focus of attention this week in Latin America and the world. Former President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva and incumbent Jair Bolsonaro will be the contenders in Sunday's appointment at the polls. Lula da Silva, winner of the first round, continues to lead the opinion polls, but closely followed by Bolsonaro, who surprised everyone on the past second with a much better performance than projected in the polls. The Workers' Party candidate obtained 48.4% of the votes, while the current tenant of the Planalto Palace obtained 43.2%. In the final stretch, both are intensifying their agenda in regions considered strategic in the electoral map to acquire a greater number of votes. But they also seek to attract the undecided and those who did not go to the polls in the first round, in which abstentions rose 20%. Looking ahead to Sunday, Lula da Silva received the support of the candidates who came in third and fourth place in the election held at the beginning of the month. 
They are Senate right Senator Simon Tenet, who obtained 4.16%, and Labor's Ciro Gomez, with 3%. Bolsonaro, on the other hand, won the support of Romeo Zema, re-elected governor of Minas Gerais, described as a booster state for the elections. This has been the most polarized electoral campaign of recent times in Brazil, in which there has been political violence and the proliferation of false news coming from the campaign of the current president. In fact, in the last few days, the Superior Electoral Court ordered the cancellation of 50 false news that caused disinformation at the request of Lula da Silva's campaign lawyers. The president also, in a populist maneuver, for electoral purposes, advanced social assistance payments to 20 million Brazilian families. All the attention is focused on the coming 30th in Brazil. Uncertainty surrounds that day, given the constant attacks of the ultra-right Bolsonaro to the electoral system and a possible refusal to accept defeat if Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva wins at the polls, as opinion polls show so far. Those reports in Viewpoint were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140 and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,000, 60.60, or 61.65. At their website, you can stream the English version at noon, Monday through Friday, Pacific Daylight Saving Time. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please, Help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet. We will conclude with George Galloway's mother of all talk shows. First, former London Mayor Ken Livingston gives his opinion of the creation and purpose of NATO and who it serves. Then George sarcastically expresses his congratulations to the new Prime Minister of the UK, Rishi Sunak. George Galloway's Mother of All Talk Shows. And the first of those is older than NATO, well, almost. He is the veteran British politician, twice Mayor of London, the first and finest Mayor of London, and my former parliamentary colleague, Ken Livingstone. Ken, welcome Hi. back to the show. Can Again. I just correct you? I was actually born two years before NATO. Yeah, I knew you would be vain enough to point that out, but it was in the ballpark. It Lindy. dominated our lives, Greg. It has. Yeah. So and tell us about it. But we were told all the time that we had to be in NATO because Russia, the communists, were going to invade Europe. Of course, that was never the case. Stalin had no plans to invade Western Europe. All he wanted was that barrier of states in the east on his border to provide protection because Russia had been invaded by Napoleon, by Hitler, and they wanted that protection. There was no plan to invade Europe, but we were all told that. I just grew up in that world where, I mean, literally kids were sent into the army and all this threat that we're going to have to have a war with the Soviet Union, and it was a complete nonsense. It, all it was was about America dominating the world. That was the plan. When 
The real tragedy is when President Roosevelt died just a month before the defeat of Germany, he got plans for a proper deal with Stalin to manage a peaceful post-war world. But then Truman, deeply reactionary president, and he was all about rolling back the Soviet Union. That, I mean, a lot of American politicians were frightened that you know, people were very great fans of Stalin because he defeated um, the Nazis. And they thought that it might spread around the world. They feared the spread of communism. And so in, what, 50 years after the war, we spent billions and billions of pounds on military that just wasn't needed or necessary. We could have done so much better for the lives of our people in Britain if we hadn't done that. And on the logic that you have explained, uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed mm. and these uh, former allied states in the Warsaw Pact mm. became themselves, mm. for the most part, thoroughly reactionary, <laughs> yes, and yes. many of them United States mm. satellites, there was no further need for NATO. So why did it continue and why is it expanded? Well, I suspect a lot of it is, of course, it generates a lot of money for the arms industry and the arms industry would have been terrified. If the Cold War comes to the end, we're gonna to have to shut down, you know? So I think constantly ramping up this fit, the fear that we, you know, we're under threat and all that, we need to spend more on our military, goes on and on and on. And it's been a disaster because you actually look at how here in Britain, how much underfunding there is for our schools, our NHS now. I mean, the NHS now is getting 18% less than it would have done if the Tory government had carried on with the spending of the previous Labour government. An 18% cut in our NHS. Well, it's a happy Diwali for Rishi Sunak. He is the unelected Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and, for the present, Northern Ireland. What a remarkable turn of events. The establishment have finally got the man they wanted. Richer than Cretius, worth hundreds of millions of pounds, billions if you include his missus's bounty that she inherited from her father, who's a very, very big businessman indeed, not least in the People's Republic of China. What a tangled web we've woven. The farce of Liz Truss's premiership followed the catastrophe of Boris Johnson's. And now we've got a man who was central to the Boris Johnson administration running our affairs. And the man who crashed the National Health Service, Jeremy Hunt, said very carefully as our Chancellor of the Exchequer. What a circus it has all been. What a mockery of democracy it has all been. They tried to laugh at China's style of democracy, where ours, where prime minister after prime minister is coming to power unelected by anyone, even in their own party. A cabal of conservative MPs have picked Rishi Sunak. He's a man who's had a charisma bypass, and so now we're going to face a boar fest of Sir Keir Starmer versus Rishi Sunak, neither of whom could draw a crowd even in their own street. In fact, Rishi Sunak's own constituency members supported Boris Johnson over him. So here we are, 
Just when we need a Winston Churchill, we've got instead a Rishi Sunak. Those opinion pieces were from George Galloway's Mother of All talk shows. George is a 30-year former member of the British Parliament whose interviews used to be on Russia Today for many years until they were shut down by the European Union and the United States. He now posts his shows on YouTube. Search for his channel called George Galloway. The times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcast, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of United States and European Union prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link. And get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.